0: with
1: me in my foul life. it's the springtime duck season is gone it's, I think that even the uh, spring conservation depredation season for snow geese is coming to an end I know that a lot of my buddies up in Canada Saskatchewan and Ontario and Alberta are getting ready to get after the wily snow goose as they make their way back north on the reverse migration but for a lot of us it's starting to be that time of year where we look for a different kind of roost, where we look for one of them big gobblers to leave the field and fly up into a tree. And then we get back underneath that tree or somewhere in the remote. There it is. He's showing it right now. The remote area. We're looking for one of them to gobble, one of them to, to give it up. Come in there. I don't, we're going to go over all kinds of decoy setups today and what's the best especially early season how do you trick a big gobbler is it with a hen is it a lay down hen is it a jake attacking a hen is it a jake by himself is it a fanned out gobbler what are we going to learn today on another episode of the foul life podcast brought to you by our friends again at gerber gear the sharpest knives in america stay sharp america we carry a gerber In our pants pocket, our toolbox, our blind bag, everywhere in our trucks, our boats, our UTVs, our ATVs, wherever you find us building blinds or cutting meat off the bone, you're going to find us with the Gerber. We never leave home without it. And my guest today has a lot of experience with cutting meat off the bone because this man lives off the land, whether he's after the white-tailed deer or whether he's after these wild turkeys or some fish, probably crappie down where he lives. Philip Culpepper, my man, how are you? I'm
0: good. How are you doing? Everything was spot on except the fish part. I'm not, I love to eat fish, but man, I suck at catching fish.
1: Uh, Yeah, but I think everybody kind of does and they just get lucky once in a while. That's how I make excuses for myself because I can't catch them very good either.
0: I I consider myself the Instagram fisherman because if I catch one, I'll take a picture of it just to put it on Instagram. As far as catching enough, I'm don't depend on me
1: now is this uh for all types or do you ever get offshore is it bass is it crappie or what it don't matter
0: yeah pretty much i suck at pretty much all of it but um i you know i do some offshore stuff with my dad i'll go once or twice a year he, he loves going in there for the snapper season so um i'm gonna try to you know i have a little more time this summer hopefully i'm gonna try to go down there but um i love like i said i love eating all kind of fish i just as far as me gathering it if i ever invite you to a fish fry i take it as an insult
1: now that's one thing i am envious of of where you live is the the fish fry and i know they get them you know wisconsin is a pretty popular area for a walleye fish fry but a real fish fry is pretty much the south and southeast with some some hush puppies some some crappie maybe some bluegill um maybe maybe catfish for sure I'm a huge fan of fish fries, mainly because of the camaraderie. There, the, the food is always good, especially in the South. Depending on what kind of batter and seasoning, it's. I like. I'm a Tony's guy. Are you a Tony's guy?
0: Man, I'm I'm as as it, I can put some seasoning salt on fish, and have a ball. So I'm I'm not real picky when it comes to that. But I just I love any kind of fried fish. I love it.
1: All right, I gotta I gotta ask you a question before I get in to this this turkey season what you've experienced so far and i think you've been to florida georgia and maybe alabama maybe mississippi already but we're going to get into that in a second but our mutual friend you've known him a lot longer than i have personally mr michael waddell has come into the podcast realm with a unbelievable title a bone to pick Um it, it matches waddell because of the bone collector brand his ability to have a conversation or dissect an argument or you know speak the truth and then it also has the word pick in it and he's a big music guy so guitar pick is in there a little bit also why did it take this man so long to get into the game because we both know he can talk is this correct
0: oh no doubt about it i I think it's it's uh i'm sure it's come up in the past and then it's just the next day nobody followed up on it because you know michael as well as i do you got to pin him down and say all right this is if we're doing it, we got to do it. Cause I, so it's, it's one of them things you got to have him cornered into it. And, again, I think it's something once he gets going, he's going to even like it more than he does now. I think it's, uh, it's right up his alley. I mean, I, he, he ought to knock it out of the park.
1: I, I think he will. I've, I listened to the first episode with Tyler Jordan, and it was – Michael's just good. He's just a good interviewer, good talker all the way around. that doesn't matter. But I was just wondering, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing you come on there pretty soon, I'd imagine, Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully so. And and I feel bad because I've been so busy in the turkey woods since the first of March, I hadn't even listened to it. Um, We've we've been burning up pretty hard, but it's, it's, uh, Michael is definitely, you know, he'll tell you this. He's, he's metamorphosized more into that Nugent type mindset where he's, uh, he gets fired up and he doesn't hold back. So he, you know, when, when, when he gets on a topic that he's passionate about, he's going to tell you how it is.
1: Exactly. I like that about him. So you, have you hunted every day since it opened in florida pretty much
0: we've had a couple of days we haven't i mean we're we've hunted when we could we uh we we started out the our original spot in florida we had two different going to and we had about a two-day break in between those because my dad and our buddy from uh uh up around in onyx jared he came down from montana and they killed within the first hour of each other so we had a too much time a slotted in for those two birds they had, but um, pretty much yeah we we've either been hunting or going to where we're going to be hunting every day since it came in on March. You know we left March fourth, so since then we've been at it pretty hard.
1: And is it is Osceola? Is it the only turkey species in the state of Florida?
0: No, there's the Easterns here too. We're actually we're right below the line of where the the Easterns are at, and um, but Osceola is the they're down here in this this southern part. You know that's the only spots you can find them so that's why you know it's a it's about like you know these guys these some of these outfitters and guys around here man that, that and they're there it's kind of it's crazy because there's some guys that have just cattle ranches they're not even outfitters and they'll sell hunts because it's the only place you can get them and it's and it's like a elk hunt you know it's just such a prized possession because that's what everybody's got to have one to finish their slam
1: yeah and and it is the only state that has an osceola correct
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So if you're looking at a map of Florida, I assume everybody listening to this knows where Florida is, but where are we talking where the Osceola start as far as the state goes? You're on the state line of Alabama or Georgia right now, or you're in Florida on the line right below where the Easterns are. So you're down where I, the Osceola start?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on down. We're down below Orlando. So, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I talked to Michael about this the other day about what your you know, it's kind of like the Rios and the and the Merriams out in, in Nebraska. Some of them get mixed, you know. And I, I believe the the line they that NWTF recognizes is around Gainesville. So we're well below that. But, you know, there's some people say, well, man, unless you gotta really be down there in the south in the swamp to get a true Osceola and 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 like I said, the further north you get, obviously the more of a mixture you're gonna get. But not only that, you know, you may be on a piece of property where you could call up an eastern And then the next field over, you could call up a true Osceola. It's just the more they kind of get blended. But, you know, if you get down, you know, around, you know, below where we're at now, actually, I would say about the line we're at now, you know, the Kissimmee area to where you come on down south, it's just solid, you know, true Osceolas.
1: And so you're saying Gainesville is about where they start, though?
0: I think, yeah, I I think that's what the NWTF line is, what they recognize. And Um, and,
1: and how far is Gainesville from – Orlando.
0: I'll be honest with you, buddy. I don't have a clue. I, I, don't, to, I, don't, it, I don't either. South. I think Gaines was probably a little bit east of us in North. Um. So, but 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 they, you know, again, I, I think it's just you get that you get a mixture. You could get a hybrid. You could get a Eastern, or you could get an Osceola.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it now. So Orlando's just a tiny bit north of Kissimmee. And Gainesville's a good bit north, north and a little bit west of Orlando.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So we're yeah, like I said, I think we're in pretty solid Osceola country down here now. Um, And where I first, the first spot we came early season in the southern zone, um, that was you know we were down below Immokalee, so that was way down.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it now so Okeechobee you've got to go right up through Okeechobee and then get up into are that do you think that the that the Osceolas get that that far south all the way down into them woods around that uh, around Okeechobee
0: oh yeah well, they're they're all the way down in the everglades
1: they're um, all the way down to the everglades
0: yeah like I said if you' if you'll zoom in down there there's a little town called akali we were way down there and it's it's right before you dump off into nothing but swamp um Damn. and i I hunted last year down at Big Cypress, uh, the the public land down there. And that was, I mean, that was desolate down there. It was nothing but swamp. And, that, you know, it's just, they got to be a tough bird to survive all that mess.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and is there a county there that's actually called Osceola County?
0: Yeah, we're in that county right now.
1: You're in there right now.
0: Yep, we're in Osceola County. I, I didn't even realize until we got here. We, met, we ran into a guy. We had to stop and get a... uh little stool a filming stool drake that busted his other one and we uh he and he had told us he said, yeah y'all are gonna be in osceola county so to get one in osceola county would be pretty cool
1: man i think that'd be awesome so when it comes to the table fare of the wild turkey like i can tell the difference between a white tail deer steak and a mule deer steak can you tell it all traveling for the for the osceola the Eastern, the Rio, the Miriams, the four; those are the four in the continental United States. Then you have the Golds and the Oscillated in Mexico, which would complete the World Slam. Correct? Right. Can you can you tell as much turkey? As you, I assume you've eaten col Can you tell the difference in meat?
0: You know, I I honestly I haven't. Just I prepare it. I try to let it. You know, which again, you know that that turkey breast is. You know, obviously, I'm not telling you nothing about to come to birds, but it's a pretty tender meat for a bird, you know. But, I mean, it's – uh, you know, I, and, again, I soak it in homemade ranch dressing and pickle juice for a day, and then I throw it in the fryer or else I grill it. So, I mean – i I can't i mean it it all it's all good to me so i'm sure you get up in some of them corn fed states you know it's like you say it's kind of like a deer that grew up on alfalfa you can tell a little bit of a difference um but growing up in the south i mean you know we were you know we we were it was pretty much acorn fed turkeys what we were eating so it's, it's all about the same to me
1: so the strategy of this going into an early season turkey hunt um Let's stick with let's stick with the Eastern. Let's stick with your home state, and let's stick with the areas of the Georgia, the Alabama, maybe Mississippi. Um, it's been said, I've heard Waddell say it, I think I've heard you talk about it, that the toughest turkeys in the country are Georgia and Alabama. Is this true? Is it still stand true? And is it because of pressure they just get educated faster? Or what makes that statement true if it is?
0: No, I believe so, and it was interesting. We just came from Mississippi, and um, – our buddy jared over there with uh with nichols he's trying to get a he's with bush now he's on the he's documenting and he got his first one with uh michael the osceola he's documenting this year getting a slam um you know that they're doing a lot of behind the scenes hunting with different people so and i told him and even he was telling me as soon as we got in camp he said man michael told me this is gonna be the toughest one because we were going he was going for my eastern and i said man we may we may kill one in the first hour i said but on paper, the eastern – an eastern and the – what I call the backwards L of Georgia, Alabama, you know, even South Carolina, North Carolina, Mississippi, even over in Louisiana. You get down that far south and they're just it's a different – it's like they got a different six cents. I don't know. It's weird. It's. Just, I think it's a mixture between – there are a lot of turkey hunters from the south. You know, a lot of these turkeys get a lot of pressure. Um, I know – for sure in Alabama and Georgia, the turkey numbers aren't what they used to be. So, not only do you not have enough, as much opportunity to chase one, but, you know, those ones that are there are probably getting chased more and more and hearing a call more and more. Um, So, it that is, they're, in my opinion, the toughest birds, you know, personality-wise and just just terrain-wise to find because, you know, you get, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, some of those Places where it's just big hardwood bottoms, you can't go check fields. You can't glass them and find them. They just, you know, but you got to pretend like there's one behind every tree if you're going to, you know, kill them consistently. You just got to stay after them.
1: Yeah, I love that mindset because you just never know. You just never know when that personality might change and they might give it up or you're going to get something that's going to make you say, all right, we got one struck, we're going to get on him. But I, I've hunted them in Illinois, Missouri, Kentucky. Kentucky turkeys are almost like Kansas turkeys a lot of the times that I've been there. Not saying that there's not great turkey hunters from the state of Kentucky. I'm saying that the turkeys have just given it up when I've been in that state. Illinois, Missouri, same thing. I mean, I'm talking like give it up. But But man, it just seems Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, that line right there. I've never hunted them in North or South Carolina, but that line that you said is part of that backwards L they got it. I just, it's a weird phenomenon to me that it's the same species But it's like ducks. If you go and you get ducks that are pressured there and there's a bunch more duck hunters, you know, in parts of the south and southeast, they're going to be a little bit more educated by the time they get down there. The turkey phenomenon is they're not migrating all the way down these migratory routes and getting decoyed or shot out the whole way until they get to Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. So it's crazy that they would be that much tougher just because of the the landscape that they were born in it's it's nuts it's got the only thing that you can attribute it to is the amount of pressure but then again the other part of the phenomenon is it's private property so it seems right. like you'd be able to manage your turkey flock like you would your deer herd all of this is mixed into this phenomenon that I wanted to get at with you of that area of our country and why it's so tough to consistently kill birds in those three states and and now you say two more with the Carolinas
0: Well, and, and again, you know, and I think the further you go up, the, the, if you want to call it easy, they get, you know, I mean, you look at even like deer hunting in the South. I mean, it's tough. It's just, it's, now. I mean, I attribute a lot of that to obviously pressure. um, And again, the terrain, there's not just a, you know, not every place, but there's not just a hardcore food source like iowa with a cornfield or something most in most areas you know and they're a lot scattered or the the wind obviously with deer is a a big factor because there's never a consistent wind down here so but again back to the turkeys it's just i I don't know man it's it's honestly like they're they're all separate subspecies it seems like because you know you can go you know and a prime example was when when drake land came down he's this is his uh, third year. He comes and pretty much lives with me in the spring. He's coming from Iowa. And he was like, man, this, you know, and they have Easterns. It's like, it doesn't even make sense. He goes, this is like a whole different breed of turkey. And, uh, but again, you know, there's still those, those days that it's maybe a three or four day window here and there. And it may be smaller than that. You know, it gets down. To, I think when the sun comes out, it may be an hour or two window. You can just. You know, you could if you stay after them, you can wear them out and 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 you know, and, and, and do damage on them, but you got to have that dedication to just grinding it out, not expecting success, and and you know, and think it through and, and execute whenever you do find it. You know, but back to your point of like the Kentucky stuff, I think the population has a big factor in that because you think in Kentucky, if you yelp down in the bottom four long beers may hear you and two of them strike. And then that's the ones you work up and call Well, down here. You may only have one every three bottles to where, you know, and again, that much, that less of turkeys too is, you know, a long beer down here may have 20 hens with him. So, you know, it's versus if you got more long beers, obviously you're going to have better odds, but I think socially they're out, there seeking more than they are turkeys around here. Cause they kind of got their own little group and they, they know every hand that there is. So I mean I think it just you you compile all that together and it's just it's a tough scenario.
1: Well, that brings me to my next question, Cole Pepper. Is um, when you start talking about when they're hinned up, you, you hear turkey hunters say, "Well, they're still on the hens." Um, when they're on the hens and they fly off that roost, and there's already a bunch of hens down there picking bugs and in the grass, and and he's showing off and strutting a little bit. To me, that's not the most optimal time to be trying to call up a turkey now i'm not saying that you're not going to strike him and he's not going to come over there but isn't it when you start talking early season and they are on the hens a lot more do they start to get off the hens as the season matures or is that kind of the consistency through the the nature of turkey season is that they're always because we're, we're we are truly um reversing nature right as a turkey hunter we are we're showing off and bringing the hen to us when in reality in the real world in the woods and mother nature the 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 hen comes to the gobbler
0: right um, and that's the whole point of him sitting up there gobbling in the mornings them hens because i can't tell you how many times you know people always talk about overcalling, you know to a turkey on the roost he's gonna sit up there and gobble and a lot of times i've sat there for two hours after daylight and he's sitting there waiting on that hen He's saying, well, if you call him, if you if, if you want it that bad, then just, and he'll sit up there with well, the best vantage point and wait on her to pitch down there to him. And I've literally sat there on a turkey that's gobbling and a hen that you don't even think is in the world, an hour later, come walking by you, walk right over to him, and he don't say another word. Um, but, yeah, you you are re- reversed in nature. But, again, I think staying with it and, and learning from that is – especially in the south is you've got to know when you can get in there and get it done to where when those hens – the later in the spring it gets when they start going and setting on nests. Because once they start laying, once they lay an egg, they'll go lay an egg a day, is what they say. So once they do that, they go and leave them. You know, that turkey may be out there strutting. He's got 10 hens first hour of daylight. He's strutting and strutting. If you've ever seen him this time of year, you know, he's out there spinning around. They'll start just drifting off one and one before you know he ain't got a hen. Or then that's when he's out there trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to find them, and that's when they get killed. But... There is a lot of times I think you got to let it play out in the mornings. You know, I love hunting afternoons because you can find them by yourself and strike them up and and get them fired up and get them going. But, you know, I would say I bet 10% of the hunts we have success on come off a turkey off the roost. You know, just because they kind of do that social thing in the morning. They all do kind of get together. You know, and, and when, when you know, not saying you're not going to kill one in the morning because obviously there's turkeys that ain't got hens in the morning, but when they're really, at the beginning of the season, they're really courting them hens and they're, they're they're roosting right there with them and they're breeding them every day to where it's tough. You got the eyes stacked against you, you know. I mean, it's there ain't no doubts about that.
1: So the, the, the timing of when people say, well, Belding, when do you like to get after mallard ducks? And I tell them my favorite, they're like, what are you talking about? You got to be out there, you know, in the dark and freezing and setting up decoys. I said, no, man. I'm out. I get out there about nine and get a good spread. See what the wind's shifting to. Get that sunshine at my back and and you know the mallards start moving around because it, it you there you could you know, say that it's for a lot of reasons, you know, whether it's a food source, whether it's the moon phase, whether it's the temperature, whether it's the amount of hens in the area, whether they're, whether they're at their, their migration route, there, there's a reason why mallards are going to get up and they might move around a little bit later in the day. Another big part of it is the idea of being nocturnal where they might've fed during the night and then rested all morning. And now they're getting up to stretch their wings out a little bit with turkey hunting. I've always had the most fun. And I think that that's what we have to remember that you, you, when you get to be my age and you're a little bit younger than me waddell's a little bit older than me we still have a blast and that's what it's all about the most fun that oh, i the most fun that i have in the turkey woods cole pepper is like that 10 to 2 range and, and i and i'm picturing what you just said of they just start to the the hands start to just you know they they get out of the way they start to Walk away from the Tom. He's out there spinning around. All of a sudden he's like, whoa, what just happened? So he's like, well, I'll just go take a nap. I already bred three or four of you this morning. I'll just go take a nap. And then he gets in there and he hears that, and you strike him up like that. And so is that right? That what I'm picturing is like, Oh, there is another one out here. I'm going to go check that out. And now here we go reversing mother nature again. And now we try to intercept him. Like we hear him. We try to cut the distance and then we hit him again. And at that time I want you to talk about keeping in mind that that it might've only took one note from your hidden slate call or your mouth diaphragm call to get him come in your direction. So you always got to be focused forward and watching your steps and talking quiet and not running around like a madman. So tell me about that of, of, of getting in those woods a little bit later. Is it okay to do that? And do you like that time frame of 10 to two?
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, and that's like you said, don't my, one of my biggest sayings is don't panic. There's nobody panic. Nobody freak out to where, um, I mean, me personally, yes, I, I I love hunting afternoons. Now, granted, I'm still going to go in the morning. I just assume go try to kill one in the morning and go kill another one in the afternoon. So, but that being said, is because the morning, you got to keep in mind the turkey, because a lot, if they ter- say it this time of year, a lot of times they're hand up and they might not say nothing all day. So, if, they, if they're within hens all day before they start setting. So, in the morning when he's up there gobbling on a limb, that's his most. If in my mind, when I'm trying to play chess with one and without even calling to him all my setup and, and the terrain and, and, and working the lay the land is, to me, that's as important as calling, being able to be a good caller or a decent caller to where that, that, that's even more important. So when he's up there gobbling at daylight, he's at the most vulnerable state. of uh, he's not going anywhere, you may get seven or eight gobbles, you may get two or three, or you may get 80 if he's fired up to where – that's that that 15, 20 minutes when he starts cranking off, he's stationary. You know he's not going anywhere and, and you can lay you can lay your best hand down to try to play it. So that's why I think it in the mornings are so crucial because you can, they're not, it's not that they're not killable without hands, but if you just pay attention to even that's for preseason scouting, because everybody wants to talk about early season, is go out there and listen to them, what they're doing you know, don't, don't make a call, just listen to what they're doing and which way those hens are naturally moving, which way that he's got gobbled with those hens. And then whenever you go in there to hunt and get your, put yourself in position to where they, they're going to come that way. So, but again, it is fun in the afternoon. Yeah. I, I love hunting afternoons. I'll hunt daylight to dark and that, uh, that action pack striking a turkey. He may run you over, or we may be here for two hours having to work him and try to work them in the rains. So you never know, but well, that's the beauty of turkey hunting. Um, but yeah, you got to, got to be ready to where i mean when they lose those hands anything's possible they've i've seen them literally gobble one time and i've seen them not even say a word you yelp and you can look for 400 yards and they're that dead run as fast as they can run coming right to you
1: god it gets me excited listening to you talk like that um same kind of mindset cold pepper with decoys is when i when i when i go do a seminar somebody asked me about decoying waterfowl there's a lot of different reasoning why you pick the amount of decoys the species of decoys the posture of your decoys Um, do you mix canada geese with mallard ducks do you miss mix snow geese with this do you mix speckle bellies with this can you have pintails with mallards there's all sorts of strategy and that's what we love about this game i don't really like to say it's a sport i think of it more of a cultural lifestyle but i just love the idea of breaking it down like you know, like a a college football analyst would or something saying, all right, well, this is why we're going to do this. And this is why we did this. And you see that our success came. Here's why we weren't successful. We didn't think about this one key component. So when I go out there this early in the season, are you – Going to be successful with a strutter? Do you want to lay down him like she's breedable? Do you want to stand up him like she's flirtatious? Do you want a Jake like he's ready to get his butt kicked because that big that big boy's coming in there and he's the you know the big man on campus? What, what talk to me in segments of season now of what you start with or is it stays stay the same or is it just a, a game time decision that morning?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm a. Uh, half to three quarter strut jake decoy guy. I, I'm not big on on hens necessarily. I'm not and again and again that may be just a lot of people have had success with that with a lay down hand with a Jake over on top over and and but me, what all we carry and all the camera equipment, everything we're going and, and like you said, when it's the panic mode of getting in and out, noise and, and carrying stuff, I you when I if I set a decoy out, it's going to be just like a little old Jake to put out. And then I've got my little, my strutter decoy. It's just like a shield that I just, I keep beside me and I lay down to where if I need it, I can. But a lot of times you can close the deal with that Jake to where if he's going to come to it. But then if if they hang up, you got that decoy, you can kind of show them a fan and create some movement and entice them to come in. But what I have learned, and uh, I was talking to Michael about it last year, I was like, man, you got to try it because it was the, the first time I'd ever really. I'd done it a couple years ago and, and it worked. And then I was like, man, this is really, really working to where say a turkey was over a knob, hung up. And obviously we try to get most everything on video. So if I go up there and try to get him and show him a decoy, well, it was always a hustle of keeping the decoy up and getting back and getting set up, trying to get them on camera. But for whatever reason, I've seen them come a hundred yards to that strutter decoy. And when they top the hill, as soon as they see that little submissive half strut Jake, it's like they forget that I'm even there with that strutter, and they just go into attack mode, to where they're just going to attack him. And I think that's just a because, like I said, it's kind of a passive. His head's colored up, but he's not like, hey, I'm the big dog on campus here. And so I've always just been that little Jake type guy. If I use a decoy, a lot of times, especially if a turkey's been hunting, or you know, sometimes you know, a lot of times on public land or stuff, I won't use a decoy at all. Um, we'll just try to get in position and just try to, you know, back down on the call and some, but, um, if we're taking folks a lot of time, who's never been to where, and a lot of times kids, I like to have a Jake where they're coming to attack them to where you can say, look, that's where your shot's going to be, you know, 80% of the chance that's going to be your shot right there. Um, but, and again, it's just to play it. It is, some of it's a gut decision, you know, I mean, and it's interesting because, Two days ago, we had this turkey in Mississippi for Jared. He was out there strutting with hens. Well, I'll take it back. We saw him. He's just pecking around with hands, just like he's not even interested. So, we get in position. I start yelping to him. He's 200 yards. He starts gobbling, strutting, 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 won't come. So, I showed him my little strut, strutter decoy. And, man, he folded up and was, like, getting out of town. And so, I was like, Dag gum!" So, I took it down. He goes over there, finally calms down, comes back out 20 minutes later start yelping to him. He starts strutting again and gobbling. So we get in position, go down there, get, get to where he has to come looking for us. He gets fired up, comes up there to 35 yards. We had some miscommunication. Turkey didn't get shot. He starts putting and goes back down there with his hens. So we gave him 15, 20 minutes and got him fired up again. And I go in and, and use my strutter decoy again and got to within about 60 yards and showed it to him. And he acted like he was an eight-year-old turkey coming just on a warpath. So... That being said, that's three different instances with one turkey. So, to me, that's a proven point in their mind is, first, every turkey's got his bubble. Second, if a lot of people, if they bump turkeys, my rule of thumb is if you don't see them fly off, just give them 15 minutes because a turkey's got a pea-sized brain. If you'll just give them 15, 20 minutes, the odds of you getting back on them are pretty dang good. And, again, some of them, they're going to come into attack mode. Some of them aren't, but this turkey – You know, being early season, I think those full-blown strutter decoys can be intimidating at times because right now is when they're just kind of establishing their pecking order where some of these turkeys, these two-year-olds, maybe three-year-olds, they just got their butt whooped. So, they're going to be terrified of a strutter decoy. So, that's why I've always just tried to stick with that little three-quarter strut jake that's kind of passive. And if I need to use a strutter, I'll just keep it by my side and I'll kind of show it to them if I need to, if that makes sense.
1: So when you start talking about the 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 three-quarter strutter and the Jake, are and you you're still hidden calling. So it just because they can't see her doesn't mean she's not there. That's obviously what you're telling me because we've been in public woods for mallard ducks in the public flooded timber of Arkansas or in private without a decoy one. And they come in there with reckless abandon because they're hunting them up and they're not even looking for other ducks. They just hear the sound. That's why the best duck callers in the world come from the state of Arkansas, because they had to be trained their entire lives that if you want to kill ducks, you better be sounding like ducks from a long ways away. And as they get closer, that's what, because when you look it down in those woods from above, it's really hard to see duck decoys in the first place. So it's all a, it's, I have always called it an audio game when it comes to calling mallard ducks in Arkansas because of the flooded timber. Well, we're hunting in timber and turkey too, a lot of trees. It's thick. She could be anywhere. Just because he can't see her doesn't mean she's not there. So you're saying that, that Jake is there as kind of an interceptor of like, now that, that big Tom that's coming knows she's around because he hears her, but he sees him. He's going to key in on him because he wants to kick his butt to not just show off for her, but to get her in the end.
0: Right. And like I said, he's that little passive, you know, he's kind of the Jake the, the decoys I like kind of got their head tucked a little bit like they may be going in the strut, but they're not real sure. To me, that that's more of a fail proof, if you will, than a full blown, full strut. Cause the turkey may come around the corner over a hill, and be like, holy cow, what have I done got myself into? And he might have just got his butt whooped an hour ago. So, you know, but you brought up a good point about the calling, you know. I think you know, there are a lot of good turkey hunters from the south. And I think it's because they've learned to play the game to where volume to me is key in turkey hunting to where you, you gotta, it's no different than talking to somebody. If you're yelling at somebody across this lake over here, well, then they're coming around by the truck. You're not just going to keep the same volume. You're not just going to keep yelling at you. You're going about, man, what the, the hell's going on here? Why are you yelling at me? And so turkeys are the same way. Once you get them if once I get them sh- struck and gobbling, I try to I try to keep the volume just enough where they can hear me, and that adjusts every step they take. You got to gear it back, gear it back to where once you get to a point of them spitting and drumming, you can hear them drumming coming in, and can't see them. A lot of times, I'll just move my feet a little bit or some just some scratching in the leaves, and that'll be enough to seal the deal. Because again, we're reversing nature, you know. And and the point of having a hint out too back to the decoys is, is I have had a lot of turkeys where you can see a long way, they'll see a hen. Well, they may come to 80 yards and just hang up and just sit there and strut for an hour, you know, back and forth spitting and drumming because people got to remember when a turkey, when they get in that tight, when he when he's spitting and drumming, that's just as good as a gobble to a hen because he's that's his way of calling her in whenever they're close. So he's sitting out there doing that saying, well, okay, we'll just come right over here. That's, that's the, some of the problems I've had with hens in the past is – it's it's not a it's not a, a finisher it's not quite a closer enough it's it's good from a distance but a lot of times unless they're just kamikaze turkeys they'll hang up out there just out of gun range
1: oh so, so you know. oh i get it so they are, you are reversing na- nature he's coming he gets far enough to where oh you see me now you know i'm here now he plays hard to get and goes well, I, back and then he goes back to the way it's supposed to be
0: Right, that's what I'm saying. So he said, all right, well, I came my distance. Now I'm, I'm sitting over here, and again, he's over spitting a drum and drumming, knowing she can hear him. So he's like, well, you know, that's as good as him sitting over a goblin a hundred times. So, you know, that that's why that little Jake I've always had success with because it kind of trips the trigger to a point of, of you may have him, and you may kill him with nothing, walking up in there cautious looking, but a lot of times they get 80 yards and see that head on that Jake, and then it's like tunnel vision. They're coming to fight. You know, so that's just, I don't know. And a lot of it's been trial and error. Trust me, that's where I've learned most of everything is just trial and error. And it's just, it's it's always work. So, I mean, until something changes, I'm probably going to keep doing it.
1: Well, give us a rundown of the vocabulary, please, Philip Culpepper. When you said spitting and drumming, this is what the boy does. He gobbles, he spits, he drums. You don't happen to have any of your calls by you, do you?
0: I I got some diaphragms in the truck here. Let me hang on one second.
1: Maybe you can give us a little uh, little show for a second, a little instruction on what these sound like.
0: So the spitting and drumming pretty much is just a and, – and it's weird because I can't hear gobbling that well. I mean, you know, from a distance. I I've every There's no telling how many turkeys I don't hear gobbling when I'm hunting by myself. But, you know, people will hear them. It's whatever, it's that pitch and that tone. But sp- the, the spitting and drumming is a real deep, bass sound that a turkey's making with his chest just a, and and once you know you hear it you'll hear it for the rest of your life but i've got i've hunted with people a turkey can be 20 yards doing it and they can't that it's just that pitch, that tone they cannot hear you know for whatever reasons so it's just those decimals but the uh let me get my don't judge me here my calls may be locked up on me
1: that's all right
0: So, if you got a turkey sitting on a limb, say you get a turkey roosting, you go in there the, the next morning. My rule of thumb is, I'll let him do his thing, gobble a few times, unless I, when I know it's light enough for him to pitch down. I'm comfortable saying, all right, he he can get on the ground, and I'll just do a short little tree yelp just. soft and, and, and you know I can't even do it on many diaphragms just one like this one that I've had a long time really broke in the best thing is like a little slate call to do it on but if he gobbles to that do that
1: one I, more time I'm, hey do that one more time please turn your head turn your head that way away from your phone the audio kind of cut out for some reason and that's just barely tapping your tongue
0: that's just barely as soft as you can get it. And like I said, back to what we was talking about earlier, just enough to where he can hear it, just enough. And if I don't hear any hens with him and he cuts that off and gobbles to that, it's like the old Eddie Salter rule of thumb is throw your, throw your call as far as you can. Don't say another word. Just let him. I won't say a word to him until I know he's on the ground.
1: Wait a minute. You said something there that I have to ask. You said if I don't hear a hen or any hens with him. So when a turkey hunter hits that diaphragm call, he's not just listening for a gobble. You're li- he or she is listening for a hen to talk back to you.
0: Well, and 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 more importantly than that, knowing that yeah, that you you've got some competition. So and if you know he's if you think he's by himself, the next morning you don't hear any hens. He cuts you off. I won't say nothing because I know he don't have any hands with it. So if you hear hens, you know the rule of thumbs always been try to get them fired up or just replicate the sounds they're making. Just let them take the lead, and 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 at that point, you're trying. If, if obviously he's got hens, if you get one that's being vocal, you just replicate the sound she's making, and a lot of times she'll come in and she'll bring them right in there to you because again. It's it's tough enough getting a, a turkey killed off the roost or any time calling one in because we're reverse nature. But you throw hens in the mix, it makes it a heck of a lot tougher. Um, so, and again, once if say well, so let's go back. Say he's by himself. He cuts that off. He gobbles. Once he gets on the ground and he gobbles, I know he's on the ground. I'll hit him one good time. Cut to him one good time to let him know I'm over here. I'm ready. And just let him let it play out. And a lot of times that's all it takes. Turkey will come right in there to you if he's by himself so it's uh again it's it's the and that's the rule of thumb for easterns it's the biggest thing with being successful on these southern easterns is is not calling too much but yet knowing when to call and when not to call so if you know it's it's not you can't really compare it to being out west hunting the Mariams because if you don't yelp enough out there, a lot of times you'll they'll lose their interest and leave you.
1: So that that Kate so. ca- that cadence that you did just now that real soft that's a yelp 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 yelp, yep. yelp.
0: little old soft tree yelp just pretty much saying hey I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm awake I'm over here on the limb that's her pretty much sitting on the limb just waking up.
1: Okay. Um, so when I said those sounds of the male vocabulary, is that all of them? The spitting, the drumming, and the gobble?
0: Obviously, you got spitting and drumming, which is gobbling. The, the two that a turkey's interested in you are going to be spitting and drumming and gobbling. Okay. And then, you know, obviously an, an alarm putt, a putt is what they do when they're, when they're spooked, not sure about something, don't like something, they're leaving. That's the sound you don't want to hear. But if you get one in range and it's just a real, just a real high pitch, just... if he comes in doing that and he's in range you better be getting him killed or figuring out a way to get him killed because it's the, the gig's up then um, because that, that's when they're getting out of town
1: so you so the, the yelp is the main call that we're going to learn as a turkey hunter to entice a gobbler to come
0: can, if a beginner turkey hunter can learn to yelp and cluck on a box call or a slate call you can kill turkeys that's all, that's all you know to kill to, to be. And obviously, you know, it's just like, you know, you can work your way up and obviously get better and more practice. But that's one of the things that, that I've always tried to tell people not to be intimidated by. Like, well, I'm not a good enough caller. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't turkey hunt. It's not worth me getting in a turkey hunt. I don't know how to call because you can literally get on YouTube and watch some videos and just learn to yelp and cluck and that's all you need because again 70 percent of turkey hunting in my opinion is knowing the lay of the land and having woodsmanship slip around and knowing where to be how to read sign turkey signs scratchings tracks strut marks um and obviously the number one rule is you got to have turkeys you ain't gonna kill them where there's not turkeys so don't don't be in anybody out there that may be listening who's a beginner or never even tried turkey hunting you don't have to do it for 20 years to be successful at turkey hunting. You know, I mean, it's, it's a sport. It's a, Like you said, it's a fun, the, in my opinion, the funnest, most, you know, laid back, friendly sports you can have and, and still be successful and take something home with you.
1: I love it. So with that diaphragm call, well, you just said before that if you could cluck, you said cluck on a slate or a box call. Can you cluck on a diaphragm call?
0: Yep. Yeah, you can. It's just a lot of, for a lot of beginners. Diaphragms are a lot more of a, you
1: Advanced. know, the, the,
0: yeah, you, the more it takes more practice. But the beauty of that is you don't have to have any movement. Once you can call a diaphragm, you can be locked down on your gun. And you don't have to use your hands for anything, but just a simple club. If you can, if you can do these two calls, you can kill turkeys.
1: Wait a minute. Before you do this call though, how, if I'm a beginner, you just slid that call into your mouth real quick and you keep moving it around. I, tell me, how do I know which side goes up against the roof of my mouth when I take this call out of the package without looking at instructions? Let's say it doesn't come with one. And then what are you doing by moving it around? Are you forming it and getting it wet, or what are you doing?
0: Just pretty much just keeping it moist. And okay. just keeping – the main thing is, you know, like – so we'll, we'll go back to the top here. So majority of calls – you know, they'll have a little a, a bump on the tape right there at the back, right here. That's, that would be the bottom. But if you'll look at the very top, wherever, whatever reeds are cut or formed, the longest reeds going to be on top. So you like this is a triple reed. I don't know if, how well you can see it on there. I can but, see it. Um, so the shortest reeds on the bottom, then the medium reed is the middle. And then the top, which has got the cut on it, is the longest read. That always is going to be to go up. That's where the air is coming over in between your tongue and that diaphragm to get the sound.
1: So on that particular call right there, the the cut read is is it a clear, is it a clear uh...
0: so and so that's a lot of your tone and your pitch is a lot of times, you know, that'll be the thinnest read sometimes, but the different. You know, and that's where call makers obviously make the money, and, and you and you get the perfect call because everybody's different. You know, first number one is you you got to learn what cut what cuts you can blow to where if say say the way you, can you see how the cut is on that? Yep. So if that was reversed, if this if this part right here was say take that that cut and flip flop it, I could hardly I can't make a sound off of it because that's my natural airflow was coming over this left side. So, but again, it's the main thing is getting about three different kind of calls and just experimenting what, what you can get the best sound out of. And all of them have got, every diaphragm has got certain tension, certain tightness to where everybody's going to be different. So, you know, if, if you see Michael Waddell blowing a call and you're like, well, man, I can't, I can't sound nothing like him on this call that, I mean, that may not be the call for you. You got, you gotta just, you gotta dive into it enough to figure out what the palate of your mouth is like, it's like a foot fingerprint. The palate everybody's mouth is different and the airflow is different. So you got to see what naturally, what airflow you got and what you can get the most sound out. Once you start getting sound out, it's just a matter of replicating that sound you hear to where like growing up, I would have an old cassette tape of hens yelping, cutting, just calling. It it would be a transgression from on the roost to them flying down to them feeding around to where I would just, play that over and over and over trying to make that sound and that's just because it's hard for me to explain how to make a particular sound it's just a matter of everybody's difference you got to figure out how to get sound out and just replicate that natural voice
1: so that material that you're pointing to or that's cut are all three reeds made out of the same material latex no or- they're
0: they're I mean, some of them can be this particular call no they're all different tensions and I'll tell you about they're all different thicknesses of latex,
1: all different thicknesses. OK, so yep. they're So this is going to be a latex based diaphragm call. Now, that bump that you're talking about on the on the top of the tape right there, you can see it with the human eye because it sticks up a little bit. It's usually in the shape of a square kind of you're saying that right. that 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 goes that your tongue is touching that it goes down.
0: Right, That's supposed to be the bottom. Now, like I said, I mean, there's a few calls I've seen that are made by, you know, get error, obviously, and that's the upside. So the easiest way to tell it is whichever read has the cuts goes on the top.
1: Okay, so that's the perfect way to instruct somebody on when they take that call out, how it goes in the mouth. Now, when it goes on the mouth, in the mouth, it sits on your tongue, and then you kind of have the roof of your mouth shaped like this for people watching on YouTube. Then that calls in between your tongue and the roof of your mouth. So is my tongue shaped like that, where the tip of it is like anchored down behind my bottom teeth or how is my tongue shaped? And then where is that call in accordance to my tongue? Is it back towards the back or is it more towards the front of my, towards my mouth?
0: I don't. So I I just lay that call right on my, right on my tongue and I I don't do anything different with my tongue except, you know, you don't, you just put pressure of it up over on the roof of your mouth and and get that sound or that call just lays up there. And you just put pressure at the top and this is just, <coughs> just just getting a sound out. If you can get that beginning, that beginning just that <coughs> and then what you want to do is drop your jaw to create that yell. <coughs> and again, it's the main thing that I even learned growing up trying to figure out how to use a diaphragm was finding a call that you can get, you can make sound on that you can somewhat control and just whoever you're living with is probably going to drive them crazy, but you've got to just be committed to, to listen to that sound and, and using that call and different calls to figure out how to make those different pitches and sounds and, and to get that cadence down because I, Everybody, nobody has to be a world class turkey call to kill turkeys. It's just a matter of getting the cadence down the, and the volume down. That's the top two most important things, turkey calling.
1: Okay, so give me, give me the the now the call goes in. The longest read is up, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're just going to apply some pressure with your tongue, and now this is going to be a just that long note that you started with that and then you're just starting to cut that off, right?
0: Right. You want to cut it off. Just practice cutting it off and dropping your jaw simultaneously. So when you're dropping your jaw, it's creating that rollover, that cow, cow.
1: And that's i I'm getting one right now. I got to try this. Hold on one second. Uh, You can keep going. I'm going to try to get one in here.
0: Like I said, just those, just yelping and clucking is all you need to kill turkeys.
1: That's all you need.
0: I mean, obviously, yeah, you can, I mean... The, the, the more you practice and the more you can do is it helps you out on striking turkeys and finding turkeys, you know, because like we talked about afternoon stuff, unless the turkey's just really, really fired up, you know, you got to get pretty excited with them to get them cranked up going. I know to answer you, but when you're in position on a turkey, that I mean, it's just this yelping and clucking and volume control is, is all you need. Just, just learning not to, to, to yell at them every time you call. You just got to be able to tone it
1: back so when you're doing that with your tongue do you teach somebody to say I don't know if you just mentioned this but do you teach a word or I'm trying to picture that in my mouth it's like like shook shook
0: Uh, yeah and And I've never done it that way because I've never I was so bad when I started and it's like I feel like the way I started and read everything about saying words like man that's nothing like what I call like now
1: so that's exactly how it starts in duck calling too. Everybody tries to teach you hut 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 or hoot hoot hoot, and then when you really break it down, you're not saying any words. You're just you're act, you're almost like you got punched in the gut. You got no <coughs> air. You got no air left in your diaphragm, and you're trying to whisper to somebody, but you you're you're like panicking, like get me. Some
0: and because and when you're blowing a turkey call, it's the same way. It's got to come from your chest, from your diaphragm. It can't – you can't – you know, you can't have your mouth full of air blowing calls out Because because – and I and – I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, to me, the, the most important thing of it coming from your diaphragm is is, is control. You have control of that air to you, you – it's not just filling your mouth up with air and blowing it out through a duck call. Just like I mean, it's just like a grunt call with deer. So – and again it's just practice and listening to that sound and figuring out what call you can make sounds on to try to replicate that and again to even get started is figure out what you can get a little bit of sound out of and what can be volume controlled where you can make it louder but you, you can go real soft with it
1: because that in, so- that in tight calling is huge because it could come down to that where if you do like what you said, calling talking to that guy across the lake. If you hammer on him too hard, they're going to know the game's up, right? But you got to oh, be—you yeah. have to get intimate, right? Cole Pepper.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you got to sex it up, man. You got to be sexy with them. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's like a again, it's like yelling at somebody. But anybody that's ever been close to turkeys and 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 listen to them, you'll be amazed at what this little bit saw. How soft a hen can yell. I mean, they can be. 20 yards and you can barely hear them, you know? And, uh, so it, it is, it's just a matter of, of, of gearing it down and being a soft. It's just like, you know, everybody who's ever turkey hunted, they always got that one turkey that gobbles from a mile off. When you got to think if he heard you from that far off from you calling, do you think he can't hear you when you're being, when he's a hundred yards? So, I mean, that, that, you know, it's just a matter of getting and getting in their head and playing hard to get with.
1: Yeah. He's, I mean, they got, it's, it's, To be able to sex it up, as you say, or to be able to create the confidence in your calling ability. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be a world champion, but if you can, like what you said, learn volume and cadence. 100%. That's everything in game calling, whether it's elk or coyote or ducks or geese. It's everything. So I'm going to try this.
0: Yeah, that's all you need and, and the main thing about yelping too when i i try to explain to people is have a beginning and an end don't don't you know some people will start it's, it's, it's more of a to where it, it all just runs together you know and, and then from a distance it runs together even more have a You know, and, I, and that's just a one-tone yelp, to where it's have a beginning and a and a, and a definite ending to it, to where it's not just because you never hear a turkey her because there's been there's some bad sounding hens out there, to where they're not just, but those bad sounding hens they all have a cadence and a volume, every one of them.
1: Can you hear all that?
0: Yeah, that's that's it. That's all you need. Don't hey, don't come to Florida where we're hunting. I don't want you killing these turkeys till hey, we get uh, out of here.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> I'm gonna try there.
0: <laughs> At least you can gobble. I can't even gobble.
1: Does that sound like a gobble?
0: Yeah, it doesn't know I can you'd be surprised how good that would work. Again, the more distance you get from it, it it's it all all the calls even somebody like man, it's, they don't have any pitch to or tone, but when you get a little bit of separation from being right there on it, a lot of calling sounds a lot better than you think.
1: Yeah, cuz that's when you tell somebody when they're practicing calling is you can't hear it. You're, the sound is coming out of your mouth and your ears aren't picking up the exact authentic, true sound of what you're replicating or reproducing. The best way to do it is to record yourself and then 100%. and then listen. Right. And then play it back because it's 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 almost impossible to to hear it as it comes out of your mouth.
0: Oh, 100 percent. You know, and that's I, I do that a lot of the times. I'll set my phone and record across the kitchen when I'm trying new calls and stuff you know, just to get that, you know, like you say, a second angle of hearing it because – and again, the true sound of it because it is – it's tough, especially if you're going through a bunch of calls and it's like, man, you're about tone deaf. By then. you can't – you can't tell what pitch you got, what you're doing to where – you know, that – and then you kind of remove yourself from it too. You can do that. If you got three different calls, record it and go back, you know, the next day and listen to it.
1: Are you – give me the percentages of your calling per call do you ever do you strike with a box Do you ever use a slate when you're sitting there or are you hundred percent diaphragm
0: No I my top two call diaphragm and, and a and a box call if we, when we're running and gunning and I'm trying to we're trying to strike a turkey I I, I, I use a box call most of the time um, unless it's a dead calm day and I can really get some carry with that diaphragm. Um, because my favorite thing to do is striking with a box because it reaches out there so much, especially in the wind, and then once you get a turkey struck, then you can sit down on the diaphragm and really kind of finesse them and work them because I can get a lot softer. But, um, you know, off, and again, off the roost the same way when it's pretty calm and everything, I'll try to get them going with the diaphragm And because like, you can just – I have so much more finesse, I feel like, with that than I do with a box.
1: Huh. what's that sound philip
0: that's the, the it's, that's a hen this just cutting
1: that's a cut okay so when do i use that and that seems like so that's that,
0: the that gets back to what i was talking about let me grab this diaper. like whenever you're trying to strike a turkey that you know and another another learning tip on that is a lot of people when they hear those hands those excited hands cut they try to run them together again like we was talking about the yelp and it's Instead of perfecting, and Michael taught me this years ago. Instead of perfecting just the, the note that it is itself, when a hand normally cuts six seven times, just ta 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 ta. Everybody tries to put that together, and it's all kind of just slurred together to where, in reality, a cut's just a one one two punch. Just pop 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 pop. And just perfect that, and then go back and put it together into a sequence of cutting. If that makes sense. To where it's it's not you're not trying to, to bite off more than you can chew from the get-go and and, and cause you're cause it's just that's not the what hands do. They're they're doing those one one two notes and putting them in a series together, just a real fast series.
1: Oh okay. Do, yeah give me a sample. Turn your head so, though. Turn your head though.
0: So that series of cutting is just a pop, 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 but they're just condensed together to where it's not a seven note call. Pop, 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 pop. To where, again, whenever you're special, when you're learning to call like that, a lot of people, and I was the same way growing up, you get discouraged because you're like, man, I can't. There ain't no way I'll ever be able to do that. But if you really break it down and dissect it, it's just a two note call that's just being put together back to back to back.
1: Oh, a two note call.
0: Yeah, it's just so. That's the call, but then when you hear a hen that's getting excited. But again, like I said, it's just a two-note pop, pop. Just perfect that before you start trying to run them together.
1: Okay, so my last question on that cut is that's something because you made a comment before that if you get him fired up and gobbling on that, on just the Yelp, let it go. But if you don't get something is the cut that you might go is the cut the call you might go to, to get him fired up and to try to finally get him to gobble, will they gobble on a cut most of the time?
0: Yeah, 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 that's – that's and again, that's a different scenario. Like that was – I was talking about like, you know, off the roost, I'm on. you play as hard to get as you can if he's going to cut you off. Okay. And the after you get him going, again, if you strike him and then test the waters, because again, every every turkey's different, or test the waters to see – you, you want to get by with as little calling as you can. So – but at the same time, if a turkey, like the one we killed the other day, if he's fired up and going – you know, a lot of a lot of people I've seen. Me and Drake were talking about it. Was they'll call to get in the gobble. They'll just check them and get in the gobble. But my thing I like to do if a turkey's fired up cutting you off is I'll I'll yelp back to him right after he gobbles because I mean it's a conversation you're having with it. You know, it's it's a if he cuts me off gobbling I'm gonna co- co- even if it's a two or three note yelp back to him to let him know that I'm talking to him versus just trying to get in the gobble to see where he's at. So every turkey's different to where. You got to it's, – it's just a trial and error deal. You, you don't want to call too much. It's always safe to call less. But sometimes you do have to if – he, if he goes silent for a while, you do have to get a little bit excited to let him know that you're wanting to come over there.
1: Matt, I guess the only thing left to do – there's a lot that goes into turkey hunting. Their eyesight's unbelievable. They said if a turkey could smell, you'd probably never kill one. Their vision is that of a Rocky Mountain elk. Um patience is huge. It's a game to where you got to, you know, you got to hide very well. You got to be patient. You got to understand how to use your eyes and not have your head on a swivel all the time because after they kind of pinpoint that sound just like a coyote or a bobcat, they're going to be on you and they're going to spot you probably a lot sooner than you see them coming potentially if you're moving a lot. I guess the only thing really left to do though once you get to this point of hitting that call right and having that that semi-strut jake in there and they you have that tom's attention now it just comes down to the final stage before we let you go philip have you caught on to this 410 tss phase are you a 20 gauge guy are you a 12 gauge guy still and do you still believe in what i talked to you and tyler far about one day that turkeys are an animal that were born to be killed with a shotgun and not a bow and arrow
0: I, I'm I've I'm a 12 gauge guy. The TSS, yes, I, I do like the TSS to where you can reach out there and touch them if you have to. But I would every day of the week, and I would do it on the eighth day if there was the eighth day of a week. I would rather have them at two feet with and the, kill them with a shotgun and shoot them with a bow.
1: I love it. I love so it.
0: That's I, a, they're they're meant. To, if you're going to kill them, you will de-beak them. The way I look at it.
1: Yes, sir. I agree a hundred percent. There's just some animals that were put on earth, if you're gonna hunt them to be killed with a gun. There's I'm not saying Pretty that pack. archery archery hunting's awesome, but a, a, a duck, a goose, and a turkey need to be shot with a shotgun.
0: Right. That that would be if you if me and you met at turkey camp and you showed up with your bow, you'd get the same reaction as if I showed up meet you at the duck hole bow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it, man. I, I love when I see people doing it and I make that remark and they're like, oh, man, you don't know. It's challenging. I'm like, I'm not saying it's not challenging. It's just not right. But to each their own, that's what's great Healed. about this. So what are you doing? Are you what What were you going to say? Were you saying something?
0: I, I killed one turkey with a bow and that was enough. And I did it just to kind of check it off the list. I'm back. I, I got two guns right here in this deck lid right behind me. So we're about to go get them and hopefully bust one.
1: How smooth are those decked?
0: Man, I love them.
1: Golly. They're the coolest. I, I never
0: foreign to me this past year but once i got to using it it's
1: unbelievable they are awesome um so you're in florida right now and you're yes sir still, we, so you're still after osceola's
0: yes sir. i got one tag left and then we got um michael pitts is coming in tonight and he's uh he's never killed osceola so we got a few tags to fill but um yeah we're still down here and uh yeah this will be the last osceola endeavor till next year
1: and so you're about to have a crazy camp life pretty soon here with pitch rolling in, huh?
0: If he can find it, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I can tell. You, if you don't find, he stops somewhere to ask for directions. They're gonna know he's lost because they're gonna know he
1: ain't here. Is he? Uh, are is? Uh, are y'all hunting this afternoon?
0: Yeah, we're gonna go out here in just a little bit. Probably. I. I that's why I got all my camo on. So we're going out here here shortly, and then you know at least maybe kill one tonight. If not, hopefully get something. Real, so.
1: So when will – are you going to be up at Tyler's at all?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go up there. Um, I'm actually going – we're leaving from here and going up for the – DNR is doing a youth hunt up there. We're going to go up there and hunt.
1: What day are you going to be in Tennessee? We're
0: leaving here. We will be there Thursday afternoon.
1: Are you going to be there for the opener too?
0: No, I'm coming home for Easter, and then I'm going to try to go back up there if I can uh, that next week
1: all right well i'll talk to you off camera and off microphone about that next week and uh okay. and uh see if we can't hang out a minute i'm gonna be i'm gonna be in yeah. the area
0: they just try to go the turkeys are there so and need well, killing.
1: all right I'll, i'm gonna i'll text you uh tonight when you're out of the woods and i'm gonna tell you where my plans are when i'm gonna be in your area and then we'll see if we can hook up
0: sounds good buddy
1: that's philip Pepper, one of the coolest dudes in the hunting industry tell us about the new show real quick
0: yeah, man. So I started this past, uh, this past summer, you know, this fall. So his name of the show is Hunt Club with Philip Culpepper. And I got my dad, Bob, Michael Pitts, two of my good buddies back home, Nate Thomas and uh, Chris Cheeseburger of Staten. So we all call him Cheese, but um, it's pretty much just, you know, us hunting around the house, taking a few trips here and there. It's, it's you know, most all of it self filming, just some good old boys just sharing passion, having fun, and, and trying deer
1: well we got to film together buddy and get on a hunt
0: we need to do it you need to i need to i'm gonna have to get you a hunt club hat you need to we need to do an episode next year
1: i'll, I'll give you my address or I'll, I'll tell you when i'm gonna be around there next week and maybe we can hook up
0: absolutely buddy we, we, we need to get some trips on the books and uh maybe we can kill a turkey and we'll talk about some stuff for this fall
1: heck yeah i can't wait that's philip colpepper hunt club tv it's on the real tree 365 app correct
0: Yes, sir. And YouTube.
1: And YouTube. He is the man. Check cool. him out all over Instagram. What's the Instagram?
0: My Instagram is at Culpepper Jr. And uh, the Hunt Club's Instagram is at Hunt Club TV. All
1: right. This episode has been brought to you by Gerber. Stay sharp. America, tell Pitts hello for us. My man, thank you so much, Culpepper.
0: Thank you, buddy. I'll, I'll be sure to tell him.
1: I'll talk to you soon. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This song is called My Foul Life by 2AM Logic. Y'all be safe out in the turkey woods.